0: He became the new king. His dad Ahaz had been a very, very wicked king. He had built many ashrapols and false temples and bales. And it said that ever under every tree on every hill was an altar to a false god. But this son, Hezekiah, when he became king, had all of those removed. And he had, as it was, the filth washed out of the temple in Jerusalem. And he sent out an invitation to a feast. The Passover. The Passover had not been celebrated for years. And not only did he send out an invitation throughout all the land of Judah, to those who would be considered worthy to come to the Passover. But he sent out the invitation to Israel, the northern kingdom, to those that would be considered unworthy. Would they come? We read in Second Chronicles, the 30th chapter, and I'm not going to read all the chapter, but I do want to read the first 20 one verses making a couple of comments then make a couple of observations as we prepare to come to this Passover feast but as I do so I want you to think how would you feel this morning if you received an invitation from a king to come to this feast do you feel worthy? Or do you feel unworthy? What would keep you from this table? Listen as I read. Hezekiah sent to all Israel and Judah and wrote letters also to Ephraim and Manasseh that they should come to the house of the Lord at Jerusalem to keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel. Now, <clears throat> If you've got a Bible, so it's hard to do with a smart device, this is a good time to use your those Bible maps that you have in the back. It's like, what do people use those for? You'll probably have one, one of those Bible maps that gives the geography and the lay of the land for the twelve tribes of Israel. The twelve tribes. You remember? Uh, there were twelve sons and each of them, uh, twelve sons of Jacob, they each had a tribe. Well, David was the first king. Solomon was the second king. Rehoboam was the third king of a United Kingdom and there it split. Ten tribes went to the north and their capital and their center of worship was Samaria. Two tribes went to the south and they held on to the center of worship, the house of God, Jerusalem. Remember in John 4, Jesus meeting with the Samarian woman. And there was some confusion in her mind because Jesus was saying we are to worship in spirit and truth one God. And she says, yeah, but you know, you guys, you Jews, you you who say you're the true worthy Jews and Christians, the, the true believers, you worship in Jerusalem. Us Samaritans, us unworthy type, we worship." Here in Samaria. So which one is right? Well, King Hezekiah addresses both, let's say, the worthy nation of Judah and the unworthy, the apostate, the idolaters, the ones that had really drifted from God. He invited them in the north. This had never been done before. Verse 2. For the king and his princes and all the assembly in Jerusalem had taken counsel to keep the Passover in the second month. For they could not keep it at that time because the priest had not consecrated themselves in sufficient number. Nor had the people assembled in Jerusalem. And the plan seemed right to the king and all the assembly. In Mosaic law, there was prescribed time when the Passover was to be celebrated. This is tweaking the law. This is saying that there is an exception. The Passover could be celebrated in the second month by those that were on a journey of a great distance or those that for some reason needed extra time for purification to become clean. King Hezekiah says, let's apply that to a whole nation. Let's say that all those that are coming from a long distance away from God, those that are all unworthy, let's make the announcement, give them time, and make a way for all those who would to approach the Passover. So in other words, rather than rather than going by the letter of the law, he actually applies the law very loving. He's saying, we want to remove obstacles so you can come to this table. So you can come to the Passover, which is where they would meet with the Lord. Verse five. So they decreed to make a proclamation throughout all Israel, from Beersheba to Dan, that the people should come and keep the Passover to the Lord, the God of Israel, at Jerusalem, for they had not kept it as often as prescribed. So couriers went throughout all Israel and Judah with letters from the king and his princes as the king had commanded, saying, O people of Israel, return to the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, that he may turn again to the remnant of you who have escaped from the hand of the kings of Assyria. Do not be like your fathers and your brothers who were faithless to the Lord God of their fathers so that He made them a desolation as you see. Do not now be stiff-necked as your fathers were, but yield yourselves to the Lord and come to His sanctuary which He has consecrated forever and serve the Lord your God that His fierce anger may turn away from you. For if you return to the Lord your brothers And your children will find compassion with their captors and return to this land. For the Lord your God is gracious and merciful and will not turn his face from you if you return to him. So what's happening here is they've delayed the Passover in order for all of those that would be considered unworthy or far from God To hear the invitation. And to be given time to make the approach to Jerusalem. To come from that great distance and from impurity. To come from that to a place to meet with God. So imagine this proclamation, this feast, this Passover invitation goes out. And it doesn't simply go out to your own people but it goes across the border to include all of God's people. Many of these people, Ephraim, Manasseh, and others, in receiving this proclamation, would say, we have been so far from God. We have worshipped gods of our own making. We have drifted and established patterns of sin in our life that condemns us every day. And in these, we are so from so far from God, and we feel sin so much. We even feel the fruit and consequences of our sin. These people actually, God allowed Assyria to take many of their people captive in northern um, Israel, so that many of them, their children or their wives brothers and sisters are still being held captive at this point as a result of their sin. And this king sends out a proclamation. Come. Repent. Seek the Lord again. Come and unite. Unite at the Passover table with all of God's people in humility. Would they come? What would prompt you to come if you feel the farthest from God? If you feel the impact of your own sin or maybe even the consequences? What would prompt you to come again to God to receive His grace and His mercy? How would you receive that invitation? Verse 10. So the couriers went out from city to city through the country of Ephraim and Manasseh as far as Zebulon. But... They laughed them to scorn and mocked them. So some people just laughed at this invitation. However, some men of Asher, Manasseh, Zebulon humbled themselves and came to Jerusalem. The hand of God was also on Judah. So the southern kingdom also is experiencing God's leading them to prepare for this Passover. To give them one heart to do what the king and the princes commanded by the word of the Lord. The king, King Hezekiah, this is not just an idea to try to unite the kingdoms. The northern kingdom had its own king. He's not mentioned here, he doesn't disagree. It's not an effort from King Hezekiah as a power grab to unite the geography again to have one kingdom under God. No. It's laid on his heart by the Lord to invite people to return to God in fellowship. And there will be unity at that table. Verse 13. Many people came together in Jerusalem to keep the Feast of Unleavened Bread in the second month. A very great assembly. They set to work and removed the altars that were in Jerusalem. That's the false altars. And all the altars for burning incense they took away and threw into the Kidron Valley. And they slaughtered the Passover lamb on the 14th day of the second month. And the priests and the Levites were ashamed so that they consecrated themselves and brought burnt offerings into the house of the Lord. In other words, even as they began to go through this act, Those that could say, we're closest to God, we're the priests, we're the Levites, even those closest to God, as they begin to slaughter innocent lambs, slaughter innocents for the blood to cover the guilty, they're mindful of their own drift from God. And they feel that shame, but they're not left there. They took their, verse 16, their custom post according to the law of Moses, the man of God. The priest threw the blood that they received from the hand of the Levites. In other words, there's a sprinkling of blood on the altar such that all that come to this Passover, God will look through that veil of blood, as it were, and see them as pure and clean and righteous for there were many in the assembly who had not consecrated themselves. Therefore, the Levites had to slaughter the Passover lamb for everyone who was not clean to consecrate it to the Lord. For a majority of the people, many of them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulon, had not cleansed themselves, yet they ate the Passover otherwise than is prescribed. In other words, they were, so, they were made so bold. This is not arrogance. It's not spiritual pride. This is not hypocrisy. But there were so many rules to keep. You couldn't touch a dead body. You couldn't have mildew in the home. There were so many observances that you had to keep in order to come to the Passover. that They, they just couldn't keep them all, but they were so won over by this invitation to the unworthy that they began to, to take of the Passover lamb and the, and the Passover cup. And they began to acknowledge that their sins were forgiven as they turned to the Lord. Hezekiah prayed for them. This king, acting like a priest, this king prays for the people. May the good Lord pardon everyone who sets his heart to seek God, the Lord, the God of his fathers, even though not according to the sanctuary's rules of cleanliness. And the Lord heard Hezekiah, and he healed the people. The Lord agreed. If any turn to the Lord, if any set their heart on the Lord to follow Him, no matter how unworthy, no matter how far away, if they turn and they come and they make their approach, then they will be forgiven. They will be received. That Passover lamb will have been slain in their place. And God will see them as His very own. And He will heal them. Verse 21, And the people of Israel, who were present at Jerusalem, now this is the northern group, kept the feast of unleavened bread seven days with great gladness. And the Levites and the priests praised the Lord day by day, singing with all their might to the Lord. This may seem like so much history, but it's as current as the life of Christ and Christ's work even now. For we have, it says in Hebrews, we have a great high priest and a king in Jesus. We're taught in Hebrews that he ever lives to intercede for us. Intercession meaning that he stands between God and between us and he's praying for us. Even when you don't know enough to pray for yourself or even when you're in your faithlessness, and I'm talking to Christians now, we drift and our prayer life is a shambles. We don't pray at all. Christ is still praying for you. Or when we turn and we we have those those emergency prayers where where we pray just a few short words, help me, help me, help me. We're told that in Romans 8 that the Holy Spirit, the very presence of Jesus in the Christian, he is he's praying. He's interceding in words and groans and moans that we cannot even understand and yet we are called and we are invited as God's people to constantly and ever be in holy conversation with our God he is our God why do we not pray I submit that many of us don't pray because we feel unworthy we feel like we are just going to mess it up let the elders pray let the deacons pray let Sunday school teachers pray Let very godly mature women in the church and others pray, but not me because I'll just mess it up. And it's either not going to be heard because I won't get the words right, or it might even make God mad. In other words, I am so distant from God. It's been so long even since I've prayed, if at all. And I also am unworthy. There's sin in my life. I want to encourage you once again. To become like a child. Have you ever listened to a child pray? Well, just listen. Just have a conversation with a child, uh, and and they're all over the board. But God invites us to pray as we can, not as we can't. Don't pray like a elder in the church. Um, uh, I mean, yeah, sure, that's good. To aspire to that. But pray, pray in your own voice. If I can remind you this morning that because of Christ, your words are heard despite our sinful failings, He still hears us. Particularly that prayer when we come again and we say, Lord, I'm coming from a great distance. Please forgive me. Please draw me near. I repent. Help me to tear down these altars that I've built up. These things that I'm so addicted to. Lord, the consequences, the mess I've made because of the fruit of my sin. The relation, the interpersonal relationships that seem to be held captive even because of my sin. Oh Lord, heal me. Forgive me. Receive me. Heal me. Christ promises to hear that prayer. Christ prays that for us. Christ carries that prayer to the very ears of our God because He is a King who intercedes for us. So as we have again on the month of January, Two Rivers focuses on prayer. And it's the vision at Two Rivers that everyone at Two Rivers prays that we have an active prayer life but not out of some kind of phony legalism or that we pray mechanically but like children who no longer fear being unworthy or unheard that we dare to draw near and we're encouraged because our king and our priest the lord jesus christ has not only made a way possible but he joins us in that let's pray Heavenly Father, we ask this morning that you would help us to overcome our feelings of unworthiness that keep us and rob us of praying to you. They rob us. We don't talk to you because we feel so far and so distant and so unworthy. Lord Jesus Christ, would you meet us again in this place and would you encourage us by your pardon for our sin and by your favor, your steadfast love. You love to hear us and you're not judging us to get every word grammatically correct, every sentence theologically sound. Father, you're listening to our heart. So, Father, once again... Receive the prayers of your children. Grow up the prayers. Grow prayers at Two Rivers by removing all sense of unworthiness because it has been met at this Passover table we celebrate where Christ has died in our place and now we come to you from far away as your sons and daughters through Christ. In whose name we pray now and you hear. Amen.